Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I am Pastor Chris. It is great, uh, great to be back. Great to be here with you uh, in person. Uh, I'd like to welcome those of you who are here. I'd like to welcome uh, the many of you who are at home or, or out and about watching our service today. Uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm back. I'm back. Uh, well, really, I haven't been anywhere, uh, but for the last, I've been here at church uh, for the last three weeks, but I haven't been preaching. Uh, I did what Scott just did. I've been doing the announcements and the welcome, uh, but for the last three weeks, uh, each one of our pastors uh, gave one of the messages. And uh, let me just say again, I say this uh, periodically here at Coastal, but you need to hear this, man. We are blessed here at Coastal uh, with three uh, other pastors who are great communicators, uh, and as always, they all did a great job. And I I am honored uh, to uh, lead uh, and serve alongside of them. And uh, anyway, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back. But before I jump into today's message and talk a little bit about that, I want to also say uh, that we have a, uh, a guest with us in person. Uh, for those of you who saw the pre-show, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't see the pre-show, uh, here in the building, uh, there is a representative uh, from CFR, Christian Financial Resources. A quick way to explain that um, is that they're the lender for our new building. Uh, so if we, you know, if we didn't have them, uh, we wouldn't be having this new building that we're building. Uh, CFR stands for Christian Financial Resources. Roger Kitzmiller, he's here today, and uh, we talked a little bit about what they do on the pre-show, but he's got a table uh, in the Welcome Center in the, uh, right outside in the lobby, and uh, we'd love for you to stop by and just uh, talk to him and thank him, by the way, for their partnership with our church so that we can uh, proceed with this new building that we're in the middle of doing. So you can talk to him after the service. So today, as Pastor Scott said, I'm going to be closing out uh, this series that we started back on Easter weekend called Bridges. And uh, the idea for the series is that Jesus ultimately is the bridge that we need to cross. But he's also the bridge that we need to cross in a variety of other areas of our life. Now, first of all, and most importantly, and we talked about this over Easter weekend, Jesus is the bridge from death to eternal life. And then each week we talked about things like how Jesus is the bridge from religion uh, to a personal relationship. He is the bridge from brokenness to restoration to healing. And then Jesus is the bridge from uh, division to reconciliation. So here is the simple, simple point that I want everybody to grasp today. Okay. Once you and I cross that bridge of faith from death to eternal life, once we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, God then uses his family, his children, to become bridge builders. God uses us to build bridges to the world around us. We're bridge builders where we live, work, parent, and play, as we say here at Coastal. You and I are then to be constantly building bridges and reaching out to people who are disconnected from God. Now, here's the reality, though. In some ways, many churches today and an awful lot of Christians today have become like these little isolated communities, okay? Islands unto themselves, surrounded by people who are desperately trying to find their way home, who are trying to bridge that gap, to cross that chasm. And what's sad is that all the while, you and I, churches, we've got the knowledge, we've got the materials and the supplies, you know, to build those bridges and to get them safely home, but we don't do it. 
Instead, we do nothing basically and just watch people drown or crash. In other words, we stay inside of our churches, inside of our buildings, and we hold little, you know, bridge building classes and groups where we learn about all the different styles of bridges and the history of bridges and the Greek word behind bridges and the need for better bridges. And then we never go out into the world around us and actually build a bridge of, of love and service and kindness and a, a relationship into the world around us and, and help them come home to God. But Coastal, I want you to hear this today as we wrap up this series. That is why we exist, to build a bridge, to do whatever it takes short of sin to see somebody come home to God. That's what I want us to talk about today. And to do that, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's one of those stories that, you know, every couple of years we like to look at it again because it really is kind of a, a foundational story here for our church. It's a story about these four dudes, these four guys uh, that actually did exactly that. They built a bridge to their friend. They, they reached out to someone and they brought their friend to Jesus. In other words, they built a bridge. So the story is found in Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bible app, your Bible, you're following along, listen as I read Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, one of their friends is paralyzed, okay? Now, we really don't know how this guy got paralyzed. The Bible doesn't say, you know, whether it was an accident or illness. We don't know how long he'd been paralyzed, if he'd been paralyzed for a few months, or if it had been birth, you know, from birth, maybe he'd been paralyzed his whole life. We're not sure. But here's what I am sure of. The longer he was paralyzed, the longer his existence was on that mat, the further away from the hope of a changed life he must have felt. You know, maybe early on in his paralysis, he or his parents said something like this, maybe this will pass. You know, maybe this is only temporary. But I'm sure as more time passed, Okay, the longer he lay on that mat, the less likely he felt like he could ever change. The less likely he felt like there was any hope for him. Now, here's what I want us all to catch today. We are all surrounded by people who in many ways are just like that guy, who are paralyzed. We know people who are paralyzed. They're paralyzed emotionally, spiritually, Think about this, especially this past year. They are filled with, with fear, with worry, with doubt, with anger. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's eating them up, it is paralyzing them. And then it's almost as though their whole life seems to have been shrunken down to this particular space, to this existence, this mat, this crisis, this depression, this fear, this, this worry, and it seems to define them. And so the longer you've been paralyzed by whatever it might be, the less optimistic you become about life change. 
the less likely you feel like that there's any hope for you. You see, the longer you've been dealing with whatever it might be, you know, your anger, that wayward child, addiction, depression, fear, the less likely you feel like that life is ever going to change for you, the more hopeless you feel. But bridge builders, listen to me, like the guys in this story, like you and me, we're supposed to see past the pain, right? We're supposed to see past that hurt, past that anger, past those addictions. You know, sometimes, I mean, let's just be honest, people on the mat, you know, people who are living that life, they're hard to get along with, aren't they? They are, they're hard to deal with. Maybe they're bitter, they're not fun to be around, but a bridge builder, real followers of Jesus, you know, you and me, we're supposed to be the ones that will say, but I'm here to help. I want to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, keep going. I'm going, to, I'm going to figure out a way to point you to Jesus. Look at the rest of verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, the reality is these guys knew. They knew what Jesus could do. They knew what Jesus was capable of. They'd seen it probably. They definitely heard about it. They knew but right before this story that Jesus had touched and healed lepers. And so these guys were basically saying, hey, you know what? We need to get our friend, the friend on, on the mat, to Jesus. I mean, somehow we got to figure out a way to get him into the presence of this man. And maybe, just maybe, if we can get him there, maybe just like the lepers, Jesus could touch him, could touch his life, and then his life would be different. Maybe he'll get healed. Now, fortunately, in this town, somebody had uh, opened up their home and had Jesus over. And so it gave these guys an opportunity to get their friend in front of Jesus. By the way, as kind of a little aside, here at Coastal, that's exactly what we do, right? Week in and week out, baby, that's what we do here. We open up the doors of our house, our home, and we say, hey, tell your friends, Jesus is gonna show up here. Get, get them here because they'll have a chance to get in front of Jesus. Worship him, experience him. But whatever you do, reach out to the people in your life, you know, your friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers, where you live, work, parent, and play, and get them here because Jesus is gonna be here. Let me ask you, how did you hear about Coastal? Or better yet, how did you find your way back to God? I bet for many of you, a friend invited you. A friend pointed the way. A friend loved you enough basically to say, hey, I know in some way right now in your life it's, though, it's as though you're on a mat right now, but I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna be willing to do whatever it takes and take you to a place where you can experience the power and the presence of Jesus. I don't know any better but to keep loving and to keep praying. You know, in a recent survey of Americans who don't attend church, 82% of the people surveyed said that if they were, yes, invited by a friend to church, they would say yes. 82% of people lying on a mat thinking that there's gotta be more to life than this, something's gotta be better than this, this can't be what, all, what life is all about, are basically 
saying they're simply waiting on a friend, you know, to give them an invitation. Man, invite somebody to church. You just never know the power. I am here today because a friend invited me to church. Changed my life. Invite somebody to Mother's Day next week. You know, so many people in the world today, they just don't know what they're missing. They don't know that what their life could really be like, that what, what their life could be not on a mat. But here's the deal. You ready for this? You know. You know what it's like to have Jesus, you know, transform your life. And you know that if Jesus could just get a hold of them, that their life really could be different. Now, what we see in these guys, what we see in these friends and these bridge builders is a whatever-it-takes attitude to get their friend to Jesus. Now, here's the question for you and me today. Do we love people? All people. Do we love all people enough that we will do whatever it takes to point them to Jesus? And do we, do we really, truly understand what is at stake? I mean, do we see people the way Jesus did, with love? And are we willing to, to do whatever it takes, for as long as it takes, to see people come to know him? to build a bridge, a, build, a bridge of love, a bridge of service. By the way, that's what Summer of Impact is all about. It's building bridges. Now these friends, these bridge builders in the story, they were willing to do whatever it takes. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, this is where the story really gets crazy. These guys are crazy. Just, just picture the scene. They are carrying a full-grown man. Ever tried to carry a full-grown man? I mean, talk about dead weight. He is, he's, he's on a mat. This is probably not a stretcher. It's a mat of some sort. Plan A was probably, okay, guys, here's the deal. We're gonna try to be very inconspicuous. You know, we're gonna kind of maybe use the, the side door, maybe the side entrance, kind of come, come, come around, kind of sit down somewhere in the back, and then maybe, maybe just kind of, you know, make our way up to Jesus, or, you know, we'll kind of be in an area that maybe when he takes a break and he walks by, we'll kind of be right there. Probably nobody will notice. No one will even know that we're there. And then they get there with their friend, and there's this huge, huge crowd that's gathered to see Jesus, and they can't get in. So plan A is gone, okay? Plan A is out the door. So maybe I picture one guy saying, hey, I don't know what you're thinking, but I think I saw a ladder or maybe some steps around back. Maybe we could carry him up on the roof. And the rest of the guys are like, sure, why not? Let's do it. So again, they got this full-grown man on a mat, the house is packed to overflowing, the crowd is all focused inside and on Jesus, and so these guys somehow go around and carry this guy up to the top of the house. Now, when they get to the top of the roof, you know, another guy probably goes something like this. I picture him going, I bet Jesus is right about here. And so then what do they do? They start digging. And so they're digging, they're digging. Jesus is teaching, he's teaching. Everybody's focused on Jesus. The disciples, the crowd, they're all gathered around. And then all of a sudden, a little sand falls at first, right? Nobody really notices, they're not paying attention yet. But you know, maybe the owner of the house, right? Probably that guy, he's like, huh, 
You know, I better take a look at that, right? You know, maybe, uh, maybe I need to work on that roof after all. And then a pebble or two falls, right? And then more sand. And then everybody's starting to, you know, kind of brush it off their shoulders and they're looking around. And then all of a sudden, chunks start to fall, right? Chunks. And then people are backing up. And then last, one big, large chunk falls to the ground and everybody looks up and they they see this beam of, of sunlight kind of bursting through. And all they can see is the silhouette of these four heads peering down, looking down. And then one of them says, hey, did you bring the rope? right? I thought you were going to bring the rope. No, I got it. I got it. So, you know, anyway, then they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus. And I picture like probably the brother-in-law of the owner of the house saying to the owner, I don't think your homeowner's insurance is going to cover that, you know, right? You are really messed up. Now, so these four friends, they get their friend to Jesus. But wouldn't you know, just as soon as they step out in faith, and they attempt to do something great, they attempt to do this crazy thing, that an obstacle presents itself. Now, an obstacle is anything that gets in the way. That's just a simple definition, right? Anything that gets in the way. How many of you have ever faced an obstacle? Right, we all have. All of us, in some way or another. It could be anything. But whatever it is in your life, I mean, again, you, you decide that I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do this thing that God is calling me to do. And then all of a sudden, you, you're, something gets in the way. But it makes you feel like, well, you know, maybe I wasn't supposed to take that step. Maybe this isn't God's will for me. But do you know what obstacles do? I think they do at least two things. Number one, they make us clarify what's important. They make us clarify what's important. I mean, when you get serious about bringing people to Jesus, when you get serious about you know, building bridges into the community, listen, you're gonna face obstacles. You will, whether that's you know, Saturday serve, whether that's tailgating, whether that's summer of impact, whether it's just building a relationship with somebody that you work with, somebody in your family. If you will do the thing that God has called you to do, you are going to face an obstacle and you're gonna have to clarify, hey, is this really important to me? And is this what God has called me to do? Am I in it for the long haul, or do I just turn tail and run when it gets hard and difficult? Number two, obstacles also make me think outside the box. Think outside the box. They they make us get creative, right? I mean, these guys had planned to just, you know, come in through the front door, bring their friend to Jesus, you know, easy peasy, right? But then when they couldn't do that, they had to get creative and ask, what if? What if we go up on top of the roof? You know, what if we purchase a box truck to go into the community, you know, and serve? What if we have a month-long emphasis of serving and loving our neighbors? What if, how about this, guys? What if we purchase that school across the street and we use it for a ministry center one day? What if? What if? You see, an obstacle may have been put in front of you. A door may have been closed. But maybe it's there to clarify your sense of urgency. Maybe it's there to get you to start thinking creatively. Don't give up on your dream. But most importantly, listen to this. Don't ever give up on people. You know, it's interesting that the obstacle in this story is the crowd. Now, when Jesus shows up, man, a crowd gathers. And in some ways, that's why you're here today, right? Man, Jesus is here. That's what we said, right? Jesus is here. This is our crowd. So a crowd's not a bad thing. It it can be a good thing. But if we are not very careful and very intentional 
A crowd can actually get in the way of people finding Jesus. We can get in the way. You see, when we forget that ultimately it's not about us, that it's not about me and you and, and your preferences and your wants, we can actually be the ones who keep people from ever finding Jesus. Listen to me, it happens in churches all the time. There are people in communities all around churches that are on mats that are needing to find Jesus. And many churches have forgotten that we don't simply go to church, Coastal. We what? We are the church. And we're on a mission to build bridges, to see people come to him. Well, but Pastor Chris, you know, I just don't know everybody there. And, you know, the pastor didn't shake my hand today. And the, the music was too loud. And they don't offer enough programs. Listen to me. Whoever said it was about you? This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. We, we exist for the person on the mat. Listen, caring for our building, greeting people, talking to people you don't know, making people feel welcome, picking up trash that you see, remodeling a room, improving our signage, replacing a window, serving over the summer, coming to Saturday serve, coming early, being willing, by the way, to park as far, far away as you can, right, Coastal? Inviting somebody out to lunch after a service, adding another service, hiring more staff, you know, serving in Coastal Kids, building a larger facility. Don't you see? It's all all about creating an environment that makes it conducive for you and me to bring our friends to a place where they can meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where people on a mat can rise up and walk. And if you don't see that, man, open up your eyes and your heart and see people the way Jesus does. And join us, join us in the greatest adventure that there is, building bridges. I mean that, but I do want you to hear this from me, from a pastor's heart. If you are miserable here, and we're just not doing enough to meet your needs or make you happy, I mean this very, very lovingly, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. I mean, chances are you're never going to be happy here anyway, and you probably won't be happy there, by the way. But you listen, there's more than one way to do church, but this is the way we do it. And we don't apologize for it. What I'm saying is that we don't need people who are just taking up a seat, and because of their attitude and their actions, they're actually getting in the way of people in the community, your friends, neighbors, and coworkers, where you live, work, parent, and play, people on a mat ever finding Jesus. Look at the first part of verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, stop there for a second. Question, whose faith did Jesus see? The faith of the friends, not the guy on the mat. And I think what that says is that sometimes in our life as followers of Jesus, we have to have faith on behalf of our friends. We, we gotta keep praying even when it seems like there's no prayer. We gotta keep hoping when it seems like all hope is lost. We gotta keep serving, keep loving, keep reaching out. We're, we're in it, we do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. Maybe, maybe your friend on the mat has given up, but you can't. 
I mean, is it, won't it be awesome to know that a friend was touched by Jesus, that their life was changed because of your faith, that their life was simply changed because you didn't know any better but not to give up? simply because you were just crazy enough to believe that although their life seemed impossible to be fixed, you knew that your Jesus does the impossible. Look at the rest of verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now this part's hilarious to me. Can't you picture this? Now remember, these four guys, four dudes, had gone through all of this to get their friend to Jesus, and then, you know, they went up on top of the roof. I mean, the whole thing. He's paralyzed. He's on a mat. And he's finally right in front of Jesus, who they know has healed people, touched and healed lepers. And he says to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Now, I picture one of the guys saying, Jesus, like, that's great, but you know he's paralyzed, right? You know, I mean, can can you heal him? I mean, we got him here, we lowered him down, but I'm not so sure we can get him back home. What can you do? You know, sometimes, I think it's easy to get discouraged when God doesn't move in people's lives the way we think he should. You know, we want Jesus to heal the part we think needs healing. But God often will do the unexpected in people's lives. I think Jesus knew. He knew that the real issue, the spiritual issue, believe it or not, was bigger than the physical issue. Jesus knew that he was paralyzed and on a mat, but he also knew that he could be healed and still lost in his sin. He could be healed, but he could still be miserable. Let me ask, do you know people like that? You know, maybe even outwardly everything is great but inwardly. They're absolutely miserable because sin is eating them alive. And what they need is a spiritual healing. And sometimes God will use something physical, a physical problem in somebody's life to actually bring them or point them to Jesus. But the story doesn't end there. Look at verses 21 through 24. The Pharisees and teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, I think these are like the church people, okay, who go, whoa, wait a second, hold up here, Jesus, You know, this is not the way that we do things around here. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You know, we didn't vote on it. You know, you can't just go up on a roof, you know. You gotta jump through this hoop and this hoop, and then maybe, just maybe, yes, you can connect with God. You see, they had put a higher priority on the program than on the person of Jesus who was sitting right in front of them. They put their hope in the method instead of the man. And the reason the law was given in the first place, place is just to show them their need for Jesus. But these religious people, they were sitting right at his feet and yet they couldn't see him because religious people tend to complicate Jesus. Look at the rest of 24. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Man, you think about that. He told the paralyzed man to do the one thing 
that he could not do. Now, at some point, Jesus is going to ask you to do something that you feel like you can't do. He's going to ask you to do that one thing that you can't do in your own power, in your own strength. In your own power, you, can't, you feel like you can't love that person. In your own strength, you can't forgive your spouse. In your own power, in your own strength, you feel like you can't stop drinking. You feel like you have to take that next drug. Listen, the longer we've been paralyzed, the longer our friends have stayed on that mat, the more their vision gets distorted, the more they think that life can't change for them. And they just don't understand that Jesus came, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. They don't understand that Jesus has resurrection power, that he has defeated death and sin and the grave. They don't know that. They don't know the things that Jesus can do. And that's why a bridge builder doesn't give up. He keeps praying. He keeps loving. She keeps serving, keep, keeps living that life of faith for their friends to see. And listen to me. Again, it might take a while. But again, we, we have that you know, whatever it takes for as long as it takes attitude. You know, that paralyzed guy, he was gonna spend the rest of his life on that mat and he was gonna lay there until the day he died. End of story. Until, until he met Jesus. Verse 25 and 26. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So let me ask, who do you know where you live, work, parent, and play that needs Jesus in their life? And you know what kind of a difference he truly could make. You know what's at stake. Listen, make the commitment today to be a bridge builder, to do whatever it takes to get your friends to Jesus. Who are you gonna invite to church next Sunday? Who are you gonna invite to Summer of Impact? By the way, some of your friends maybe won't come to church first, but you know where they'll come? They'll come to a service project into our community. You see, they need to feel like they can belong, that they're a part of something before they believe. Who will you reach out to? Some of you here today, in person, online, you're the paralyzed one. You're on a mat. And you're saying, I can't. Let me ask you a question. What did the paralyzed man do in this story? Think about it. Absolutely nothing. It took the faith of his friends and the power of Jesus to help him. You see, you can because Jesus can. He has the power to rewrite your story, to change your life. If you will simply surrender your life to him. That's all this guy did. Just surrender your life. He has the power to forgive your sin, to heal the real issue in your life, and to change and transform your life. You see, you can rise up 
and walk out of here today. Are you ready? I pray you'll come home and take that step of faith today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for this series that we have been in since Easter. This reminder to us all that ultimately Jesus is the bridge. The bridge from death to eternal life. He's the bridge to healing and restoration and a relationship, reconciliation. And Father, we know, we believe that it's this family trait that you have passed on to your followers that we now are to become bridge builders. Father, I pray that that's the mark of this church, that we just don't know any better, but to keep loving, keep serving, keep inviting, and keep reaching out, making an impact where we live, work, parent, and play. And maybe, just maybe, you're here today and you're paralyzed, maybe by fear, by sadness, by grief, by worry, by pain, by addiction. And you've been on that mat for so long, it just feels like that life is hopeless. Listen, God drew you to himself here today. And he's wanting to tell you that Jesus is here and he is ready to change your life, to transform your life. Just pour your heart out to him. Surrender to him today and pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I'm on a mat. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Father, today I want to come home. I surrender my life to Christ. I give my life to him. As much as I know how, as much as I understand, I place my faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. I believe that he's your son. I believe that he went to the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.